Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Rolling along, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance Company live, as always, from the seaport, brought to you by Chase. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. That's what it's doing here. Wherever you are, we hope you're safe, you're warm, you're comfortable, and you're having fun talking about sports. Interesting stuff today. You just heard Christine Lisi. We were talking about the enormity of the audience of the Super Bowl. I feel fully justified. I feel fully good about myself. I have been right all along that the audiences for the Super Bowl on television have always been undercounted, and I'm delighted that now they're being appropriately counted. Having said that, I want to read you a tweet from our friend Joe Fortenbaugh. Fortenbaugh is very good. By the way, I made this comment to someone. You know, he does Fridays with us, and I have learned so much about gambling from talking to him. And one of the things he said to us on Friday was, if your inclination is to bet the Chiefs' money line, then you're better off betting on Mahomes to win MVP. You'll get better odds, and the chances of the Chiefs winning and Mahomes not getting MVP are so slim that they're worth whatever it is that you're making up. And I don't know exactly what the number wound up being, but sure enough, they won and Mahomes was the MVP. I thought that was really smart. Yeah, I think you could play the Chiefs on the money line at something like plus 105, plus 110. Mahomes was a dollar twenty-five or a dollar thirty. So if you played the Mahomes MVP prop as he suggested, you you came out like a bandit. So Joe is really good, and and these guys know what they're doing, and that's why it's worth listening to. That said, he tweeted something that I think is great, and I think it crystallizes the point I've been trying to make on TV. And I got yelled at today, Hembo, on our behalf. It sure did. Because look, the, the two things can be true at the same time. Kyle Shanahan can be an excellent coach, which he is. Kyle Shannon could be a guy I would love to come coach my team anytime, which he is. And Kyle Shannon can be a person with some flaws in his game and one who had a very bad day on Sunday. I think both of those are true. His in-game coaching has frequently left something to be desired. Now, that is something that at the age of 44, he can certainly get much, much, much better at. A lot of that is also something that coaches in this day and age have entire staffs surrounding them to help them with data making decisions during games, timeouts, all that kind of stuff. So I'm not, I think Kyle Shannon is an outstanding coach and is going to be one for 20 more years in the NFL. And I'd be stunned if he doesn't win at least one championship someday. But that doesn't mean that he isn't without in-game flaw, and he definitely, definitely contributed to their team losing on Sunday. And here is a great example of it. Joe tweeted this. The first nine possessions for the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs went like this. Punt, punt, fumble, punt, field goal, interception, punt, field goal, punt. At that point, the 49ers should have been so far in front in this game that they could not possibly be caught. And instead, they're, they're choosing 
not to try and get the ball late in the second quarter and do something with it offensively. They're, the play-calling selection they had at the beginning of the third quarter where they threw the ball eight out of nine plays and went three consecutive three and outs. Before we even get to how completely badly they mangled the overtime thing and the rules and everything else, I do not think it's overstating it to say that the coaching went a long way towards costing them that Super Bowl. Of course it's not. I mean, the reason we are uh, picking nits with Kyle Shanahan is because he has demonstrated that he is a coach of extraordinary gravitas. I mean, we're talking about one of the five best coaches in the NFL. All right, this is a very similar thing to where, let's say, Josh Allen plays a great game, makes a few mistakes late, and like saying, oh, we can't be critical of him because he's one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. No, of, of course we can. Of course we should. And until you have demonstrated yourself a, a Super Bowl-winning coach and you've not gotten over that hump, it is more than fair for the public to be critical of things. It's not his fault that Christian McCaffrey fumbled. It's not his fault that a punt hit one of his uh, players' feet. That's not on him. But Kyle Shanahan also mangled a few things in that game for which, in a sober moment, he and his staff would say, we would want to do that over again. And the problem I would have with Shanahan, if I were a fan of the Niners, is that their mistakes and his mistakes are recurring. The same kind of mistakes keep happening. Kyle Shanahan's teams have lost six playoff games during his time as a head coach and coordinator. They have been outscored 85-12, to 85-12 after the third quarter in those games. That's three different franchises, six different games. It looks the same. Kyle Shanahan on third down, their offenses on third down in the last three Super Bowls are three of 12, three of eight, and one of eight. That's seven for 28. That's 25% in the three biggest games of his life. What I'm saying is that Kyle Shanahan is great and that Kyle Shanahan's greatness, unfortunately to date, has not been enough because there are certain attributes of his character that have not risen to the occasion when it absolutely matters the most. Yeah, I know know you don't mean character that way. His coaching character. Lest anyone should think you're saying he's not a person of Of enough character. That's not what you mean. (laughs) But, but, you know, we've got to be careful with stuff like that. We're not criticizing him as a human being. I've never met the man in my entire life. He is an outstanding football coach. But, you know, there's a good comparison that's made here. And, and I'm assuming this came from Cam, although he didn't quote himself on this. Sorry. <laughs> but Cam does say, is this rem- reminiscent of Andy Reid's tenure as Eagles head coach, young offensive-minded coaches who had early championship-level success, ran into dynasties at the wrong time, struggled to finish the job in big games, and questionable coaching decisions in clutch time? Cam, you were an impressionable young Eagles fan while that was going on. Tell me about the similarities. I think I was actually too young to remember that part of it, but... You're too young to remember the Reed Eagles? No, no, no. The early parts of it, yes. The first game I like really watched was the Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl in wow. 05, and oh I was like... Oh, my God. I was How, eight. What, what year were you born? 97. Oh, my God. That is just crystallizing in my own head right now. I own clothing older than you. You've are. worked at ESPN longer than I've been alive. Yeah, what what I day in '97 were you? Yeah, I started in '96. Yes, I have been at ESPN longer than you've been alive. Are you asking what my birthday is? Because I know you don't care. No, I, well, I was going to say because in my head I thought I was hired in '97. Uh, but August I was, of '96. August of 1997. I was born. August anyway, yeah, August Reed, 5th. And Reed started in '99. So yeah, you definitely don't. You I don't, don't remember, remember the early Reed days, but. Andy Reid started in 99. He was 41. Kyle Shanahan was 37 when he started with the Niners. 
Bad first year. Kyle Shanahan, I think, had two bad first years. Reed immediately started going to championship games after that. Kyle Shanahan immediately, obviously coming from uh, the Falcons where he already went to the Super Bowl and blew that one, immediately started going to championship games. Time and time again in these championship games, you have questionable decision-making, questionable clutch time coaching, and all the other things look fantastic for Andy Reed and Kyle Shanahan early in their careers, but they kept running into the same things, and Reed never got over the hump with the Eagles, and I could see Shanahan getting to a bunch of championship games and a couple Super Bowls and not being able to close the deal. I don't know if he goes somewhere else to finish the job, but it does look similar earlier in their career with how their kind of tracks have gone. I think that's excellent. I I think there's a lot of that that makes all the sense in the world to me. I'll add one other similarity, and that is that Andy Reid came from a legendary coaching tree. Reid was on the staff of those Packers teams um, under Holmgren. Reid was a Holmgren guy. Maybe the most famous coaching staff in NFL history was the offensive coaching staff at one moment in time the Green Bay Packers had, under Mike Holmgren, they had Mariucci, Gruden, Reed, the guy who went to Detroit, uh, Mike, uh, the guy who took... Who, who, Marinelli? My, no, no, that's Rod Marinelli, but it sounded like that. It's Mike... Um, it was, he became the head coach? He became the head coach of the Lions, and he, he once didn't take the ball in overtime and lost. Oh, Marty Morningwig. Marty Morningwig, sorry. Marty Morningwig was on that staff... Um, they, they had like five head coaches on that staff. And my point is that Kyle also was part of that, right? Kyle was on the staff that had Sean McVay on it and all those guys with his dad. So there are a lot of threads of commonality there. I like it, Hembo. So, so do I. Kyle Shanahan has gotten super unlucky. You know, there's the reason he has not won a Super Bowl yet, in large part, are things that are out of his control. And that's Fine to point out as well. I think that Kyle is great. I think that his scheme is ingenious and it is mimicked across the league. But when you demonstrate that you're great, our conversation then changes and it surrounds that presupposition. And so if Nick Sirianni or Matt LaFleur or Dan Campbell or almost anybody else had coached that game, I think we would have been less critical. But in Kyle Shanahan's case, we're acknowledging that you're a great coach, Kyle, and we're looking and saying, oh, these results look awfully similar to, to previous ones. So I think at the end of the day, he probably just has a little too much on his plate and would benefit a lot from ceding some of his control and receiving more influence from some of the analytics types. To be well, the other thing, well, so I disagree with one thing you just said. What is that? That we would give those guys less criticism. I think we give Kyle the benefit of the doubt. Really? If Mike McCarthy coached the game on Sunday that Kyle Shanahan did, we would be screaming for him to get fired. Screaming. Taking the ball to start overtime is an unconscionably bad decision. I'm tired of people defending it and saying the data doesn't say it's that. First of all, there is no data. A game like that had never been played before. You know what sometimes is just as good as data? Common sense. How many college football overtime games have been played since they instituted the nonsense that is college football overtime? (laughs) Hundreds of them. No one has ever taken the ball to start college overtime. Why? Because it is a huge advantage to go second. This is not chess. In chess, you want to go first. In football, you want to go second. You want to know what do I need to do to win the game or not lose it. That's um, an incredible advantage. And to say we talked it over and decided, well, we want the third possession if the first two end in a tie. 
boy, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to have been in the room and heard the explanation of that. And then I'm sorry. Your players not knowing it is not okay. Your players not knowing a very, look, if nothing else, if nothing else, if it had never come up, you would think when they were, in, in the six minutes that transpired, because we, you guys looked it up for me, yeah. between the end of regulation and the start of overtime, in those six minutes, you'd think someone would have said to the players, in case you're not aware, these are the new rules in playoff overtime. Like That did not come up ever at any point. And, and I will repeat for those who don't realize it, this is not a Super Bowl rule. It's a postseason rule. So they played, how many postseason games did they play last year, San Francisco? Three, right? Three. And then, and then four this year. No, three this three year because they had a bye. So in any of those six games, this was the rule. So this wasn't the first game where this might be the rule. This game, that rule was in place for their playoff games last year, last year, last year, this year, this year, this year. And at no point did someone tell Kyle Juszczyk, this game doesn't end if we score. Again, what would you give to have seen Kyle Juszczyk score a touchdown, <laughs> drop to the ground in, in, in tears and think, we just won the Super Bowl because he doesn't know the rule. And if he didn't, who did? Like, which players did know? And did it impact anything that they did? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know that enough is being made of that. People are acting like, well, you know, a lot of things happened in that game. Stop. A lot of things happen in every game. This doesn't happen in every game. So I don't think we should shortchange the significance of that, that lack of knowledge. I'm, I'm going to bring up a ridiculous comparison, but... There was once a PGA championship that was played at Whistling Straits, a a, a very famous golf course in Wisconsin. And Dustin Johnson wound up being penalized. He would have otherwise been in the playoff, but he wound up being penalized because there was a, that week they had moved some sand traps around it. It's it's not worth getting into it, but there was a rule that apparently was posted in the clubhouse. Each player was notified of it, blah, 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 that he just didn't pay attention to. And he wound up playing a shot out of a bunker and grounding his club because he didn't know it was against the rule. Long story short, he didn't know it was against the rule and it cost him. Now, in that case, he had no one to blame but himself and he didn't impact anyone but himself. It's not a team game. In this case, I mean, the player's not knowing. It's just not okay. No, it's not okay. It's a good microcosm of their sort of lack of attention to detail. And I think this will be an honest moment for him and for them to say, we need to get back to the basics and allow other people on the headset to help us make really, really important decisions and inform our team what's happening next. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $750 on average. All right, trivia, go. So Victor Wembanyama had 10 blocks last night, uh, which is insane. That stat became official in the NBA in 1973. I am looking at a list of most 10 block games since that stat became official. 73, you say? Since 1973. Which Hall of Famer had the most 10 block games since then? Since 1970. Because if Will Chamberlain or Bill Russell counted, they'd have each had a trillion. All right, I like the question. Uh, the answer is next on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by.
Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. Answer to the trivia in 30 seconds after this reminder that ESPN bet is now live as the official sports book of ESPN. ESPN Bet is the only place to find daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows. Sign up today. New users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Find all your favorite markets and bets like in-game wagering, cross-sport parlays, teasers, and all the props you can handle. That's ESPN Bet. Download today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in a legal gambling state. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Wow. Okay. And how are your trivia skills? This is Sneaky Hembo Trivia. Regular sneaky or extra sneaky? Hembo, go. Since blocks became official in 1973, which Hall of Famer had the most 10 block games in his career? And, and you, you specified Hall of Famer because you just wanted a little sexier answer. To be clear, I was going to guess Mark Eaton. Well, Mark Eaton and Manute Bowl are tied for first on this list with 18, and I don't like an answer to which there are two correct answers. Got it. So it's got to be a Hall of Famer. All right, very good. I have four names written down here. Um, so, I mean, you want me to go first, Bubs? I'll, I'll go first. Sure. So. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would definitely be a candidate for this. His career began before 1973. He came into the league, I want to say, 69. Um, he played a long time, so he played until the 89 season. So it's still 16, 17 years. So he's got enough time in there. Dikembe Mutombo blocked a ton of shots. David Robinson blocked a ton of shots. But the one I sort of vividly remember having triple doubles with blocks, maybe even a quadruple double, was Elijahwan. So I'm going to go Hakeem Elijahwan is my answer. Bubs. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to – I thought about uh, going Shaq, but I'm going to go with uh, one of the names you said there, and I'm going to go Dikembe Matumbo. Matumbo, Elijahwan. Cam? Yeah, I'm going one one of the other names you said. That's David Robinson. I think he had a quadruple double as well. 
yeah, and I hopefully a lot more. So I'm going with David Robinson, the Admiral. And both, Jack and Brandon. They both guessed Matumbo. All right, so we got... <laughs> Brandon claims to have guessed Olajuwon. Go back to the phone. Uh, he texts you, right? Yes. Uh, I actually don't have a text for Brandon, so he gets no credit for this one. Wait, uh, no, 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 hold on. There's no holding I mean, on. Hold on. We're live on the air. We can't be held up by this. Yeah. I, uh, but... <laughs> he accidentally texted <laughs> he Jack. Texted the answer Cam, to Jack. Cam, you're, Cam, you're the official. Right, Jack, I'm asking you to check his phone. Did, did he text Olajuwon to you? All right, I'm going to count it. I'm going to oh count it. God. Poor Brandon. I'm going to count it. Just for that, I hope Olajuwon is wrong, even though I guessed him. <laughs> so we got two Olajuwon, two Matumbo, and one Robinson. And the answer is? The Kembe Matumbo. Oh! <laughs> Should have guessed Matumbo, Brandon. Yes. Poetic justice My at God. its finest. Hembo tried to give Brandon the answer incorrectly. <laughs> Hembo Brandon always tries to give wrong. Brandon the answer. Wow. Oh, Brandon, was... anyone you said in a break? Uh, yeah, seriously. Was it close? Uh, Matembo, uh, Matembo had 13 such games. Olajuwon had 11. Robinson had 10. And Abdul-Jabbar had seven. All right, so none of them bad guesses. No, not at all. Only one of them right. I mean, Brandon texting Jack was a bad guess. Brandon texting. By the way, I have to just share with you guys a funny thing that happened this morning. Cam can run over the scores. We don't need Cam for this. Oh, I guess we could have Cam for this. Either way, I think you will enjoy this. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. So I I made a comparison on, uh, no, we meant Jack, Brandon. Jack, Jack, come on over, Jack. And we don't need need him either for this. (laughs) But either way, you can both stand close by. You'll enjoy the story. So Bubba is the one who's going to get this comparison. But if you've ever been around Hembo and Jack when they're together, there's a very Kramerica industry um, sort of air about it. Like Hembo does a lot of completely irrelevant things in the morning, like playing little games or like eating little things, whatever, like nothing important, no actual work that's being done. And Jack just follows him around. Anytime Hembo has to go anywhere, he'll say, Jack, and Jack just follows him as though he's learning from the experience. And anyone who saw Seinfeld knows that Kramer, who didn't have a job, took on an intern from NYU Darren. For, uh, for Kramerica Industries, as he described it. So that, that, I just want to set that up because that's sort of the nature of the relationship. And the two of them sit right outside my office. They're, they're off, they're, their cubicles are right, or whatever you call that area, are right outside my office. So every now and again when I open the door, I always walk into the middle of a conversation <laughs> they are having. I never hear the beginning of it. I walk in. So today, guys... I walk out into the middle of a conversation, and for some reason, this is the topic. Jack is going to Hembo's house for lunch. And Hembo, right, for the first time ever, right? The first time what ever. What day is he coming over? Uh, sometime next week. So Hembo asks him, what do you want for lunch? And Jack says, how about a steak? <laughs> That's not what was said. That's absolutely that, that what was said. No, not. <laughs> what was said. I walk out and I hear... I, I like steak. How about a steak? Yeah, yeah. About, so he asked me my favorite food group. He invited food you group. for lunch and you ordered a steak? No, How about a ribeye? He asked me my favorite food group, to which I said steak. But was this in the context of the lunch? Yes. You, you can say that, yes. What do you mean I can say that? That's what the context was, the context of the lunch. Have a nice prime rib. Jack, I mean, did, what do you have to say for yourself? Uh, I you didn't know that you were asking for my lunch order. I thought you were asking what my favorite food was. So you're, so you're, do- you're, you're a pretty creative chef. I thought you would take my favorite food group and maybe run with it in a different direction. So let's just, let's just analyze. Oh, the two of you were having a conversation about you coming to his house for lunch. Yes. And then he asked you your favorite food genre, 
and you said steak, but did not think that meant you were asking for steak at the lunch? I mean, I could see the implication, but at the same time, I don't want to misrepresent my favorite food because then what if I tell you, oh, I like a sandwich, and then you will always think that my favorite food is sandwiches by the way, when it's not. By the way, speaking of Jack's lunch ordering, you were kind <laughs> enough to treat us to lunch last week. Yes. Why don't you tell our audience what, what Jack <laughs> ate for lunch? So... The three of us go over to the tin building, which is this thing they opened across the street from us here, which has been great because they have, they have literally every food product <laughs> you might want. You can get anything there. They have soups. They have salads. They have a, cre- um, a crepe station. They have a sandwich area. They've got a Chinese restaurant, an Italian restaurant, you, a sushi bar. There's nothing you can't eat for lunch at that place. So we go. I get myself soup and a little container of tuna and we're going to sit down. Jack just takes a small plastic container of sliced pineapple and sits down and eats that for his lunch. And he brings it over to the paying area, you know, the cashier, where I'm going to pay for everyone's lunch. And I said, well, what are you getting besides this? And he said, no, I'm just going to have some pineapple. <laughs> and that was his lunch. Uh, Jack, you just had the – what are you saying? Jack, before you interject, Jack – Greeny forgot the most important detail. Which is what? He ate it with his hand. Oh, yeah. He got no, he got no, it's a sliced pineapple. We're talking about little cubes of fresh pineapple. And he ate it. He did not get a fork. A knife. I had, I hand him a fork, which he discards. No, 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 no. You had, it, it was late in the meal that I got the utensil. I didn't want to impose. Because it was so bothersome. But I mean, they have, get the utensil. It, we didn't bring them from home. Like, yeah. You don't the, want to impose. It's a restaurant. They're everywhere. There's, there are the little areas where you pick up the little, you know, it's got the little, in the plastic, as a fork, knife, and spoon, and a napkin. Yeah. You know, you, everyone who has ever been alive for more than eight minutes has seen that. And they're everywhere. I mean, this is a place, they're not trying to make it hard for you to eat their food. <laughs> they're trying to make it easy. But he didn't want to bother anyone, so he didn't ask for a fork. So he's eating cubed pineapple with his fingers for lunch. Bubba and Cam, what do you make of this? I mean, did, did they not have steak? Was that the problem? <laughs> you know what? There is steak. There's a roast beef sandwich. Hembo gets it all the time. I do. Once a week, Hembo wow. and I stay after the radio show here to work on our book. And we do the same thing every single day. We go over there. I buy the two of us lunch. We come back and we work. Hembo gets that. You've gotten that roast beef sandwich multiple times. By the way, Bubba, this was the same date that you guys had your show dinner to which Greeny and I were not invited. So while we were enjoying pineapple down here, you guys were, you know, eating uh, banquet type stuff. Sending me caprese salad pictures while I'm sitting here eating, watching a guy eat pineapple cubes with his fingers. My veal was delicious. You had veal? I did have veal milanese. I wish we were invited to that. Yeah, I know. And I would, of course, I would not have gone, but I would like to be invited. It's nice to... Like, I can't be the only one who feels that way. This would be a good question for the audience. And as we work our way into the football offseason, we have more time to just sort of delve into some of these important questions in life. (laughs) If there is a social event that you do not wish to attend, does it still bother you that you weren't invited? Like, that's a good question. For example, there could be a wedding, like a destination wedding. I hate a destination wedding. Don't get get married in a destination wedding. Like, unless you'd want lots of people not to come. You're getting married, right, Jack? Are you getting married? Oh, no, uh, eventually. Okay. Fair enough. Sorry, I didn't mean to put the cart before the horse. <laughs> well, you have a, I remember our whole conversation about buying Christmas gifts, and there was yeah. some woman in your life that you're... Uh, yes. Aren't you moving, you're moving in together life. soon, aren't you? Uh, thinking about it. 
Okay, I don't want to He's delve. He's pretty in. far along. Let's okay. not do this on the air. <laughs> what better place to hash out this decision? You're really speeding up my timeline here. Let's make a list of the pros and cons. Anyway, <laughs> the point is, if and when you get married, what is her name again? Kayla. Kayla. So if and well you, when you decide to marry Kayla, when you have this wedding, you should invite me. Of course. Even though I probably won't come. And Ouch. I'm here to say, if you get married in like... Aruba, I'm definitely not coming. <laughs> okay? Now, so I, I shouldn't say that. I would come to your wedding. I came to Hembo's wedding. Didn't I? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Why but you, didn't I come to your wedding? But you were at Northwestern moving in your daughter. Oh, it was the weekend that Ni- we moved Nikki into college. But you sent us a, like, I think you sent us the nicest gift, actually. So, so we are very good gift givers. And, and I, invite I, Greeny by to we you mean Stacy and, and that, that that's that is all Stace for this I can take no credit when, KitchenAid when, I believe it was whenever called whenever we give anyone a gift I'm always as delighted as they are to see it opened <laughs> I'm dying to see what it is when the kid we give the kids a birthday present Christmas present whatever it is I'm like Nikki opens it up I'm like oh look how great that is so uh, because I have nothing to do with it either so anyway the point of the <laughs> the matter is this I, I shouldn't use you as an example I want to come to your wedding I would have come to Hembo's wedding because it wasn't in Aruba it was in New jersey mm-hmm. but let's let's just say there is a wedding that you don't want to go to are you still mad if you're not invited i'd like the opportunity to be invited and to to say no to rsvp with my apologies send regrets parenthetically i'll still send a gift you get the advantage of the gift i'm going to say i'm not going to say i'm not going to rsvp no to your wedding and not send a gift now, if you don't invite me, obviously, I'm not going to send a gift, and I'm going to be mad. That's the thing. Is it counterintuitive is the wrong word. Is it hypocritical to be offended that you were not invited to something you didn't want to go to or wouldn't have gone to in the first place? I definitely don't think so, because the person inviting you doesn't know that you don't want to go. If you're me, they probably do. So what was your first year on ESPN Radio? <laughs> Uh, well, Mike and I started in, in January of 2000. So do you think it would have been appropriate for a, a courtesy invite to a departmental powwow around the Super Bowl, even though they suspect that you, you might not be able to attend? See, that's the problem. I don't think the reason they didn't invite me was they assumed I wouldn't come. Oh, I don't think that's the reason. What's the reason? I don't know what the reason is. That's definitely the reason. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the reason because of that and your get-up responsibilities well, are I th- pretty much the main two reasons. I don't think so. I think that the I, I think there's a, there are uh, there are other mm. factors at foot nefarious motives. Perhaps? So why would you have assumed that Hembo wouldn't come? Right. Why would we assume that he would? No, that's my point. You cannot make an assumption. So now you're just inviting someone based on whether you want them to attend or not. No, you both just told us you wouldn't have come. No, so we were right. That. I said I wouldn't have come. It's a degradation not to be included for, for me to have the opportunity to say, no, I wish I would He's be been there. degraded. You've there degraded is a Hembo. zero well, percent chance Hembo would come. He gets have, up at 2 a.m. Yeah, just have Hembo come. The point was, why would you not just have Hembo come? Were there no members of any show group that couldn't? Let's put it this everyone way. Everyone traveled there from far and wide. Yeah, if whole, Michelle both, Smallman had not been came. able to come, would you have not invited Chris Canty and Evan Cohen? They the all shows actually together. came. That's not the answer to that question. I'm not buying this. (laughs) The shows are coming together to do the shows together from Bristol and then also meet the show staffs. There'd be no point in Hembo just coming here randomly by himself. Hembo has never met Cam. You're telling me there would have been no benefit to Hembo meeting Cam. See, the way Bubba is defending this 
It makes me believe. I'm not defending. I'm just explaining. It was Bubba's decision. <laughs> he is management. I think what happened is either Justin or Liam texted Bubba and said, should we invite Greeny? And he wrote back no. Mm. And so now he's kind of defending it because he's afraid. <laughs> You're yeah. playing the martyr here. That Quite Liam well. will throw. No, I'm not playing anything. Playing the oh, poor me. I wasn't invited. Uh, to be clear, I would not have come. We know. That's why you weren't invited. Uh, the, but you know, I want I want you to invite me so that I can say no. And I think that is hypocritical. No, it makes people feel valued. Valued. If if Does it feel make us feel valued when you say we wouldn't have come anyway? No. Well, I have reasons. I would never just say I don't feel like coming. No one makes up a reason better than I do. No one makes up a better excuse. <laughs> you just said last week that you might actually have come because your, your wife wasn't around. And maybe I might have come been... to the dinner. Yeah, you may yeah have I might have. I couldn't come to do the show up there, obviously, because we do get up from here. Right. But I could have come to the dinner. Right. I certainly could have. The point is we had no knowledge. We, we had no knowledge. We felt unimportant. We felt like outsiders. I didn't even know what had happened until after it was over. I'm like mm. Kyle Juszczyk mm. with the NFL rules. Right. Like we after it happens, I'm like, it. wait a minute. There was a dinner? I didn't even know about the dinner. <laughs> We've Kyle been playing this dinner since the summer. You know, all these other shows have been practicing in training camp for this dinner. They knew about it before the dinner happened. That's so. the point. Everyone was included <laughs> except us. People traveled from across the nation. To be in Bristol that weekend. We didn't even know about it. It's true. Harry Douglas took like a couple flights, a train. Like he was traveling oh. all over to get here. He came from New York. Yeah, Ooh, but he Harry came Douglas? from Atlanta to there. Yeah. I, the, the sense I get to so Bubba and Cam are defending this, which leads me to wonder. Yeah. Just explaining what happened. Yeah. No, I feel like your mm. you're being on the other side of this suggests that there was a meeting that we were not at where the two of you met with Liam or Justin or both. And the conversation about this came up, and the two of you said, we shouldn't invite Greeny and Hembo. Maybe I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that you said, there's no way they'll come, and that that's when the decision was made. And so now you're just worried that Liam or Justin will tell us, you know, will, will, will tell us, oh, we'll feel bad or get mad at you, that we're hurt by this, which we are. Very. We are hurt. And right. so the question is, like, were you involved in the decision? That's what I want to know. Trust and believe. I had zero decision-making <laughs> in who came to Bristol for oh, Super And what Week. made it so much worse is that they were sending us pictures and videos of the event as yeah. if that was going to make us feel better. Yeah, yeah I, I, I said I wished you could have been there, and you weren't there. Yeah, you, because that's, that's a very very passive-aggressive. Mocking. Greeny likes Caprese salads. I wanted to let him know we're yeah, having them. I'm going oh, to the – wait a minute. Let me go to that text. It group. was just so – it was just so evil. The way that it was presented via text was, yeah, you're not strong. here, and we're happy that you're not here. No. no. I said, I wish you could have been there. With complete sarcasm, Cam. No, come the, on. The your, yeah, your interpretation of the text is completely My interpretation. Wrong. I have a picture. I'm just reading it. A picture from Bubba of a beautiful-looking Caprese salad, yep. and he wrote, Caprese salad, and then... Yeah. <laughs> Cam yeah, see, no, no sent context. a video. I'm not saying anything. Cam sent a video saying, "Wish you could have joined us!" Exclamation point, and took a video of literally every person sitting there. That's Nuno, Liam, Bubba, Michelle. I think that's Mike Uranaga over there. <laughs> yep. Chris Canty. You like literally took a picture of everyone and wrote, "Wish you could have been." There here. were like 13 people at this dinner. There, it, it is. A, it is like what is the the the, the, the last, last supper. supper? That's what it is. It's like all the apostles, and, and we're not invited. And you are Judas Iscariot. Yeah, that, that, sure, hundred percent. Exactly right. what I was going to say. I feel, I feel hurt. I feel wounded, and uh, you know, I feel generally not so good. I feel betrayed. All right, we got a lot of football left to do, and we'll do it next on ESPN Radio.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet... You can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny. I mean, Charles Barkley is one of the greatest players that ever lived. But the first thing you say about him is, could never be Jordan. Same with Ewing. Same with Malone and Stockton. One of the things that Mahomes is doing is he is defining the legacy of all of his nearest rivals. This is Greeny. Yeah, shout out Kevin Clark. He was the one who tweeted that. I was reading the tweet and, and then going you know deeper into the thought when we talked about that yesterday. It was it's. I think it's right. I think it's a really really good comparison. If I had to compare Mahomes to anyone, that's who I think of. I think of Michael Jordan. I think I think he's more Michael than anybody else. Their d- demeanors are very different, but that's. I think that's who it is. Michael Jordan ruined it for everybody else of his era. I see Tiger. I see Tiger. Okay, that's fair. I mean, Tiger, the fact that, so are you comparing them in that regard in that Tiger never caught Jack and Michael never caught Russell? I'm not comparing him to Michael Jordan. I think, I think the better, I'm, caring, I'm, I'm comparing Mahomes to Tiger is what I'm saying. I know. And I think the similarities are like Tiger Woods, like when he burst onto the scene and stayed for a while, it looked different, it looked better, it looked greater than anyone we had ever seen. And then the whole field has to catch up. Like the whole industry had to chase that. And we're seeing NFL teams chase the next, the next Patrick Mahomes and build their teams around trying to beat him, which is the ultimate compliment. What made Jack Jack is that he had 18 championships in, in, in majors, of course, and that in order to get there, you have to endure for so very long, and that's who I think Tom Brady is. That, I think, is the best comment. He did a lot more things than just that, Jack Oh, of course. Did. He has more seconds than anybody else. Oh, yeah. But, but, I would, but how, why are you distinguishing Michael Jordan from that? He did exactly that. You want to talk about making it all look different than it had ever looked before. You're not old enough to remember when Michael Jordan came into the league, mm-hmm. he became the biggest star we'd ever seen. Long before he was winning championships, he was captivating audience with the high I mean he was Air Jordan before he was a champion he was he was every bit I mean I, I agree with you on Tiger but I, I, I don't differentiate it from Michael the difference between Michael and, and Patrick Mahomes is that from from the day he stepped foot onto an NFL field he was transcendent they've made the final four and every year he's ever started it took yeah. the Bulls 
a fairly long time to reach the apex where it took Mahomes almost no time. Now, Michael Jordan was drafted onto a terrible team, and Patrick Mahomes was drafted into a great situation with a great team. Patrick Mahomes was drafted 10th, and his team traded up to get him. Michael Jordan was drafted third Another because reason the Bulls were awful and wh- awful for a long why time. Why I don't love the comparison. I think there are more... Like, if we're just going to look, look at the GOATs, I think there are more similarities between Mahomes and Tiger than Mahomes and any other. Okay. I, I mean, uh, we're in an area of quibbling here that probably isn't necessary. I just think you're removing Michael for reasons that have nothing to do with him. Let the record also show that Liam has chimed in in the group chat saying, I told them you'd come, Greeny. They wouldn't listen and said, don't bother asking. So let the record show. Liam Man. has turned you guys in. This is exactly the reason that I was upset by this. We have been, we, we have been betrayed is what has happened. My mother, uh, I, I was FaceTiming her on Saturday morning. She listens to the show every day. And she told me she thinks our show is fracturing. Like she, she is sensing a need for group therapy, that our show is falling apart at its seams, and that if we don't get together in person and intervene in some kind of way, this whole thing might fall apart. We had the chance to do it. I mean, last week, we could have been invited up there and we could have Super had dinner easy. with Do you everybody. mind if we join you for the steak lunch this Would week? Have been mm. Why don't you go, to, you two guys, why don't you have them to your house on Thursday and have steak lunch with Jack? I'd be happy to host, but Cam comes to the city all the time and, and, and actively avoids us. us. That's correct. Come Another thing here. that you said you would never uh, respond to. There's a threat of commonality here. Or at least me. would turn down. All right, let's do today's green list because I, I want to get some football. Over <laughs> the list is what determines who matters in this business. Today's green list decided by me and only me, the world's foremost authority on all matters. The top five NFL dynasties of the Super Bowl era. This does not include the 50s Cleveland Browns or any other teams that precede or predate the Super Bowl era. Number five. Number five, I'm putting Patriots 2.0. The Patriots had two dynasties. I do not think it is appropriate to describe the entirety of the Brady-Belichick era as one dynasty. If you do then they're number one, and it's not even close. But I think you break them up because the first one was the team that had all those defensive players at Will Fork and had um, Brewski and and all those guys, and the receivers were Welker and Randy Moss came, and all all that that group of players, and they won three championships in a four-year span. They then didn't win again for 10 years. And then they went on their run again in 14. And that's the team I'm talking about. Five straight AFC championship games. Four of those five years they went to the Super Bowl. Three of the four they won it. That is the five-year period I'm using as Patriots 2.0. That's the Belichick-Brady dynasty. I put them at at five. Number four. Four, I'm putting these Chiefs. And the reason I'm doing it is primarily because, A, they went back-to-back, which no team had done since Brady's first group. And B, because of the road they had to travel to do it this year, to beat Allen on the road, to beat Lamar on the road, to beat San Francisco. That is an incredible mountain that they climbed. They are still going. I think they have the opportunity to move up this list, but I put them at four. Number three. Three, I'm putting the Montana 49ers from 81 to 89. They did change coaches at the very end and acquired Jerry Rice in the middle. But so much of the rest of it remained intact, and obviously all of it surrounding Joe Montana. All of it was the architecture of Bill Walsh, although he retired after the third Super Bowl and George Seifert stepped in. Those teams were ridiculously dominant. They changed the sport as we know it. Joe Montana's 49ers are third. Number two. The Steelers of the 70s are 
our second Chuck Knowles in the Hall of Fame. Half the team is in the Hall of Fame. They won four Super Bowls in the decade, four in a six-season span. They revolutionized the sport. They became... The Steel Curtain became one of the most legendary groups of all time. They are the number two dynasty in pro football history. Number one. But the 60s Packers are ahead of them. I'm giving them credit because their championships bled into the Super Bowl era. They won five championships in a seven-season span. Two of them were Super Bowls. They had 13 Hall of Famers, and their coach has his name on the Super Bowl trophy. Vince Lombardi was their coach, 13 Hall of Famers, five titles in seven years, bleeding into the Super Bowl era. Two of the first two Super Bowls were them, and they were so one-sided, they almost decided they didn't need to play the game anymore. The Packers of the 60s are first. Hembo, you saw it on TV today. Agree or disagree? I agree for the most part. I may have had the Steelers first based on the era that they played it in. My favorite stat here on the Packers, your number one team, is that across that time period, they went 9-0 in the playoffs. <laughs> they scored 240 points and allowed 104. Their average playoff game during that stretch, they won 31-12. to Unless you should think, oh, the competition was so easy. They were playing only the very best teams. And in those days, because the, there were fewer players, but there were also fewer teams, they weren't spread out as thin. I stand by the list. We'll see you tomorrow. ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.